0: Excellent. Welcome everybody to this afternoon's meditation class. And I have to say this every week, if anybody's come to the introduction to meditation class, that is being held in the room on my right. This is the ongoing class which we have every Saturday and goes on and on and on and on and on. (laughs) which gives me the opportunity to uh, sometimes say something a little bit deeper and more profound, more focused. One of those things is, you know, for those of you who sit on the floor, sometimes if you do lots of meditation, sometimes uh, your body gets a bit sore. And if that is the case and if you're meditating on the floor here, please don't feel afraid just to adjust your posture slightly and by that I mean it may be like a little bit of a sore leg, just move your legs very slowly, it only takes uh, maybe 30 seconds to get into a comfortable posture but in those 30 seconds you do go backwards in your meditation but then you overcome the aches and pains and then you can actually meditate longer without worrying about the aches and pains and it also means that um, you can get to where you were before and then even go deeper. Okay, you're wasting maybe uh, one minute, but in the long run, it's much easier for you afterwards. So, I was teaching that for such a long time and I also saw that the Thai monk Ajahn Pliyan, who visited here many times before and he was saying exactly the same. So don't be afraid of, you know, adjusting the body slightly in the middle of a meditation because all that really does is just allows, you know, a mistake because your posture wasn't correct in the beginning to be mended and then you can continue on and get very deep in your meditation. This is just why I often say to be able to look at your body when you start meditating to get as comfortable as possible. of course there are two types of comfort, the type of comfort where you fall asleep, because if you want to do that you can bring your bed here uh, next Saturday. (laughs) and That's obviously not a good idea because you really fall asleep. So you have a type of comfort where you feel the body is like pain free, it feels strong but it feels awake. And I must admit that even there's a type of meditation called laying down meditation and even that type of meditation, I, I developed over many years, if you're meditating all day, and it may be just cold or windy outside to do walking meditation, sometimes I do lying down meditation in my cave where I, I live in Serpentine, But when I do it there, I always make sure that I lay down to sleep in one position and I lay down to meditate in another position. And all, over all these years, I usually lay down on my back if I want to do meditation and if I want to go to sleep I lay down on my side. And so over all those years my body knows, and you know, it tells my mind what it wants to do. If I'm on my back, I say, that's meditation. On my side, that's uh, falling asleep. And the only problem was with that, that when you went on these long flights on aircraft, and you wanted to get some sleep, the only way you can really go to sleep is on your back. And I used to find it hard to go to sleep because laying on my back on the aircraft, that was my meditating position, not my sleeping position. But anyway, what you're doing there, you're conditioning your body, like the body knows, oh this is my meditation position or this is my sleeping position. And that really helps because it means that this is the time when you're going for stillness, not for sleep, you're going for alertness, not for dullness, you're going for peace, not for restlessness. And it also meant that some time ago, that I used to do a little, um, sort of psyching my mind up before I began the meditation. I would tell myself, okay Ajahn Brahm, this is for meditation you may have many other things you're supposed to make decisions on later on, many other pieces of work you're supposed to do, but please remember, right now, this is the time for meditation. And just saying that was reminding my uh, mind that what I'm giving this um, this time for. It's just like, you know, in a, a more, um, a rougher analogy, When you get in your car, you know, you can drive anywhere, you can drive to the shops, you can drive to the beach, but when it's about 2.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday, you tell yourself, I'm going to go to temple, so you know exactly where to drive. And so you don't waste your time going to other places. And When you meditate and when you tell yourself at the beginning, this is the time for meditation, for peace, not the time for solving problems not the time for telling your own life story, which sometimes you can do if you start fantasizing. This is the time for me, for me being peaceful and calm. And if you can do that, that does mean that you are learning, which is how to direct the mind. But when I say direct the mind, it doesn't mean controlling the mind. It's just like um, you come here on a Saturday afternoon, and you cannot—you haven't got your own car, and you don't want to drive back. Uh, in a, in a, you don't want to take a, say, a bus or a train. So you call a taxi to come here, and you ask the the man in the taxi, "Please take me to where you live, in your home. Say so it's in Fremantle." Now imagine the taxi turns up here at the gate, and you get inside the taxi, and you tell the taxi man. Now please take me to Fremantle but don't drive too fast and please, I'm a Buddhist, so please be compassionate. Please let other people come in if they want to sort of join the lane. Don't block people out and just please drive slowly, no need to sort of get there fast and please don't talk and please, uh, no really sharp turns, don't use the brakes too violently, I've just had some meditation, I'm very peaceful, very sensitive, so please. And this is before you've even got just round the corner into Constance Street. And if you do stuff like that, the taxi man is saying, look I know how to drive a taxi, you just sit in the back and shut up. Because if you give too many instructions, the taxi driver just throws you out of the taxi and you will have to walk. So just the minimum amount of instructions to your brain. I want to be peaceful, I want to be quiet and let your brain do it. It's the same when uh, I'm the the boss at Bodhinyana Monastery, if I'm organizing some piece of work I just tell the the monks, please do it this way, but how you manage to do that, that's really up to you. You These bricks need to be laid, These concrete needs to be laid, but how you do it is up to you. And I trust them. And I trust the workers at Bodhinyana Monastery, I trust the committee of Buddhist Society of Western Australia, I trust all of the the Thai ladies who make my lunch for me on Saturday and Sunday, I don't tell them how to cook. They know how to cook, I hope. (laughs) I trust them. the Sri Lankans as well, when you make me a cup of tea I don't tell you how to do it and then when you don't control anybody you just suggest it and you encourage them and they always make the most delicious tea. The same with my mind, when I don't tell it what to do, I just encourage it, then you always get the better meditation. You give a few instructions but only the beginning, and then you let the mind carry on those instructions, to see how peaceful you can get. Because if you always give instructions to your mind, of course the mind doesn't doesn't have a chance actually to get to the destination. It's too busy listening to new instructions rather than following the old ones. And after a while you do tend to trust your mind. It knows what to do. And then you can get some nice peaceful states of meditation. Again, one of the common problems, it's amazing just how many people have had good meditations in the past and once they've had a good meditation, they're always trying to get back there. And sometimes people have some very deep meditations and then they get frustrated, they can't do it again. Why is that the case? It's because the cause for peace in meditation is not wanting anything. Those are the first hindrances. Wanting and not wanting. It's just wanting. And when you want something, you're not happy where you are. Many similes I've given over the years, when you are content and easily satisfied, not proud, not demanding in nature, you can get some very peaceful meditations. When you want something, then you're putting in a barrier to meditation. You're not really putting your attention on where you are, You're putting more attention on where you want to be sometime in the future. Even there may be wonderful places you want to be, but it's not here. So you try and let go of all that wanting. Please remember that all wanting means you're still aware of the future. All negativity means you're aware of the past. Right now in the present moment, here you are. You're not comparing this moment with the past. You're not valuing it against some ideal moment in the future. You're just being here. Totally at peace with what's happening now. When you don't want to control this moment, to get rid of bad stuff or to to keep good stuff, when you're more gentle with what you're experiencing and you make peace with it, you find it can stay much longer with great sense of ease. and This becomes the trick. We always feel in life, if we want to get anywhere, we have to work hard. Have a goal and work hard until you actually reach that goal. That doesn't work in meditation at all. Instead, we learn how to be still. We learn how to be peaceful. We learn how to be kind to this moment. And then what happens? This moment stays with you. You don't go anywhere. Right here, you know often it's, I'm just going from my own experience right here. Often you start off, and oh this is not really going to be a nice meditation. My mind is tired. My mind is exhausted. So you just sit here and thinking, oh I'm going to probably fall asleep. But then you just say, well this is good enough for me. I'm just going to be at peace with the tiredness. It doesn't feel good, but you can't expect life to always feel good. You just be here and you're kind to this moment. This is just nature, my body's been working hard. It's nature, so you stay in this moment. And then the weird thing is, and this does happen every time, I'm being honest with you, every time, if you just don't fight, you know, the, the feeling of tiredness, sleepiness, the aches and pains. If you don't fight them, you just be with them, with kindness, they disappear. It's weird. After a while, they're just not there, you're at peace. It's the nature of stillness, it allows things to disappear. And then once it disappears, you have the energy, your energy comes back. When the energy comes back, it, you understand that the energy of the mind is generated by stillness. Keep your mind as still as possible and you don't, can't say keep it still but allow it to be still, let it be still and then it becomes energised. You can read about that in the Buddha's words, just how he described meditation again and again and again you get the joy of stillness and when you get that joy of stillness, meditation becomes so easy. It becomes easy because you don't have to do anything. It becomes automatic. And there is one of the, the teachings, I think I first was pointed out to me by Venerable Bodhi, and it was such a beautiful teaching by the Buddha, and it was he gave it the title, and the enlightenment is a natural process. It's automatic. You don't do anything. It's when you stop doing things, the mind becomes so still, and becomes very bright and very joyful, and very wonderful. And when you know you feel that's how your meditation works, but then when you see that's how the Buddha described it. It gives it that authority. And it means that you can meditate so easily, anytime. You sit down, close your eyes and be still. How can you do stillness? You let go and then stillness is what happens. And that's the reason why, if you can only trust that, you'll find that the meditation works so beautifully and so wonderfully and so easy. So anyway, that's how meditation works and uh, as I mentioned before, if anybody came late and they're coming for the introduction to meditation class, that is being held in the room to my right. This is the ongoing class. Okay, so let's begin. Let's do some wonderful meditation. You can sit on the floor, you can sit on a chair, you can I say lie on the floor but not in the position you usually go to meditating. And just relax your body, relax your mind. Oh, I'm glad to see some people are meditating on the stools. You can see the gentleman over there in this little Zen stool, they're extremely comfortable. If anybody wants to try those, they're worthwhile trying. You're on one of those stools as well. And they're very easy to carry around with you and uh, they support the back and give your legs a nice place to tuck in the back and it feels great. So that's another option for those people who want to find a nice position to meditate in. Okay, so let's get going. I'm just going to hydrate myself if you need some. good So today I did take an extra minute, just to make sure that I get my body in a generally comfortable position. But I don't stop there. First part of the meditation will be seeking a quiet place and getting the, the posture right. and making mindfulness the most important, making it a priority. to do that I just do a body sweep to begin with, starting with my feet. And to have mindfulness of your feet, what does that mean? I ask my feet, how are you? When I ask my feet, how are you, that results in me being aware of any aches and pains or any problems in my feet but also the positive side of that, any comfort in my feet. I become aware of the physical comfort of my feet and make sure that that's sufficient for the meditation. If I can make them more comfortable, I will. It means I can feel the feet. The brain and the feet have now got a connection and I'm aware of what they're feeling. And only when those feet are relaxed, and I know the feeling of relaxation, though it many times, then I move on up to the ankles. At this point I'm very happy to move If it's going to bring more comfort, even just slight movements can affect the posture so, so wonderfully well. And the ankles feel good, go up to the calves of my legs. I know the feeling of comfort. I know the feeling when they are discomforted by putting in a unfortunate position. So I really feel them and I have this care trying to get them to be the most comfortable as possible. That intention And that mindfulness, they work to relax my body, that intention and that feeling of trying to get comfort that will make my mind peaceful when I later go further to be aware and kind to my mind and go deep. But Right now I'm just focusing on the body, my knees. I know how they feel. I relax them. And sometimes you say, "How can you relax your knees?" And it's with being aware of how they feel and giving this wonderful kindness. And sometimes I imagine them just expanding. Expanding and what was once tight becomes loose. What was once under pressure becomes relieved. And the knees do start to feel well. I don't care if this is an imagination or a reality. Both work. Ends up relaxing the knees and they feel comfortable. And the thighs. I feel the thighs, checking in with them, make sure they're all okay. Then to my butt, the buttocks. I always pay special attention there because they're pressed against the cushion. I want to make sure that they can Maintain comfort there for the period of the whole meditation. And I go to the waist. On my waist I and I do wear a belt and today it's a bit tight. I'm gonna loosen it. and I straighten up my back because that makes my back feel, feel good. Just to make sure that your back is comfortable. You can lean against the chair if you're sitting on a chair or just hold it straight up by itself, whichever works for you. You experiment and find out. It just shows that you are kind to your body. I go through the insides of my torso and as I go sweep up, sweep my attention up from the bottom of the torso, if I feel any part of my intestines, colon, whatever, which are tight, I just wish them just a sense of comfort let go of any fear, any tightness and I stay in that area until that sense of relaxation is clear to me. It always does relax when you watch it without fear or control but just with kindness. Letting these feelings be. opening the door of your heart to any aches or pains in your body. You're taking away what the Buddha said, the the mental thought. When we feel discomfort, there's two parts to it. The real discomfort and our reaction to it. And it's the reaction to it, is the one we are amending and being kind to it, rather than fearing and tensing up against it. I sweep up throughout the whole body, getting to the stomach, giving it lots of kindfulness. Past the stomach to the lungs. I'm not demanding my lungs be different than they are, but just being kind so they can relax and breathe contentedly. Continue going up past the heart, up to the shoulders. And I think that. Many of you know what it's like to have tension in your shoulders and how it can be relieved. Sometimes I just put mindfulness there and imagine all those muscles letting go. So there's no tightness on them at all. All ease. nothing is pushing or pulling them or asking anything of them just to relax, that's all. And I go down my arms, i sweep them past the elbows, forearms, wrists. And relaxing everything as I go. If you ask me how do you relax, Once you have awareness of that part of your body, then you can do trial and error, try this, try that, and soon you get the feedback, the relaxation has happened. This is how you learn to relax. And I get to my hands. It may not be the same for everybody, but for me, I just find the most comfortable position is right hand over the left hand with the thumbs slightly touching. And once I've comforted my arms, I go back up to my shoulders and my neck. The neck can start to ache if your head is not properly positioned on top of it. So I just make sure that my head is well balanced on top of the neck. To do that I usually move it backwards slightly, forwards slightly, to the left, to the right until I can experience the optimum position for my head. once I can feel my neck is as relaxed as it could possibly be, and I go to my head itself, but to the face, to make sure the muscles around the eyes and the nose and the mouth are relaxed to the max. And there's always this beneficial side effect when you relax the muscles in your face. It means the emotional tightness, which caused those muscles to be tight, is also relieved. You're calming your mind as well. I can feel those muscles relax right now. They become loose and open. And then, having got to the last part of my body which I can relax, then I become aware of the whole body, where everything joined together. Now my whole body is being relaxed to the max, making sure I never missed anything out. As I said last night, I wait in the relaxation of the body until I can perceive this delightful feeling of relaxation. And I feel that, I indulge in it for about a minute, because then my body relaxes even more. and I turn to the, my mind. Uh, how peaceful are you, Ajahn Brahma, I ask. I'm honest with myself. I know what causes peace, what causes irritation. Past and future, first of all. This is not the time for past or future. It's a time for the present moment, for meditation. And all the deep meditations, nimittas, jhanas they all live in the present moment, right now. I just need to stay here for long enough for the past and future to disappear. So the only perception I have is the present moment. and the joy of the present moment. I also know that all the words, one word just makes another word, it just goes on and on and on. So I learn about silence, the space, between the words. When you notice the space, the silence between things that becomes to me anyway so interesting, so delightful, so promising. I focus there. I know that later on the breath will come up and the will come up and stuff. I'm not going to plan for that, I'm just going to notice the silence and be quiet. This is where I stop speaking and I will speak again when we get close to the end of the meditation. It is getting close to the end of the meditation now. How was it? How peaceful and content did you feel? How's your body? If you look at the results of the each meditation at the end. They're always positive. Sometimes very positive. You understand the benefits from meditation. So you end up wanting to meditate just like you want to eat, this is food for the heart, for the mind. I'm now going to ring the bell three times. When the bell finishes ringing for the third time, please come out from the meditation. That was nice, so thank you for joining in. We normally have questions now. Okay, it's working again. Yesterday evening there was some problems with the computing. The all-female crew today got it right where the male crew yesterday did not. Here we go, first question. For those practicing at home using these teachings, how will one know after jhana that one becomes a stream winner? What exactly does one know? First of all, after the jhanas, you know, incredibly beautiful states, lots of bliss, and I've often said you contemplate when emerging, or after emerging from a jhana, that what was missing? What wasn't there? What you're doing there, you're getting more refined data, data, the truth of the mind and the body. More than that, if it really is a jhana, afterwards your mind is free of the five hindrances for a long time. The hindrance of which they say, which is true, of which stops you perceiving correctly. You see what you want to see, you deny what challenges you. When those two hindrances are gone, you just see what's there. That, that stillness is the cause for seeing things as they truly are. And the other thing, there's no doubt left. That is subdued for a while. So once the Jhanas is there, you can understand just you have the power to see what can sometimes be challenging to you. More than that, you've experienced stuff which you don't usually experience before. And this is where you can get the data, the power of the mind, to actually to see the Dhamma. Whether you're a stream winner or not, you will never find out for sometimes months or years before years afterwards, simply because it's easy to know you're not a Stream Winner. It's hard to know you are. You have to wait for one and see. The description I gave in the book, um, Mindfulness, Bliss and Beyond, was like, it's not a good simile, but it's the best I could come up with, it was like an explosion going off inside your mind. A real big experience and many of the the buildings have been destroyed, we have to wait till all the dust settles to see if there's anything left. And that's one of the reasons why it does take a while to see if some of the views of self which you had before have disappeared or still there. The main thing about being a Stream Winner is realising there's nobody in here, no self. From France, how can mindful movements help sitting meditation? What do th- th- When to do this, before or after sitting? I think, I'm not quite sure exactly what you're referring to now, but there was one teacher who did a series of movements with his hands and asked people to follow those. What it does do, it does create awareness of the body and stops a lot of the extraneous thoughts which are not really necessary. It does bring you into the present moment and brings you into a little bit of silence. So it's a very good beginning sometimes. But then you shouldn't stop there. After a while, those mindful movements, you should sit still and see if you can still be mindful when there's no movements at all there your mindfulness can get much, much stronger. After long meditations, my perception changes, almost like taking drugs. I'm not quite sure if I can comment on that because I didn't take drugs. But anyway, I know your perception does change, it becomes more powerful, it does become more penetrating and does become more joyful. Is this a result of the mind becoming stronger and starting to dominate over the senses? Quite likely. When the mind dominates, gets very strong and the five senses are not so interesting to you, then the mind can see things it hasn't seen before but I'm not sure with psychedelic drugs and some of my friends used to take those when I was at university, I refused. But anyway, some of those things make you see weird stuff and sometimes you see weird stuff in meditation But when you are not under the power of drugs, you can actually deal with those you know, things much easier and without getting sort of caught up in them. So there's many weird things. As somebody told me yes, well, a couple of days ago, that when they were meditating, it was like they were expanding, their body getting really, really big. So is this is the problem?" I said, "No." This is just what the perception does. It becomes free of your controls. You become a little bit fearless. So what is sometimes weird actually happens. I mentioned to many of you, it was a perception when I was doing, as a layperson uh, uh, taking part in a Zen retreat, only a weekend retreat, just sitting with my eyes open facing a wall, the wall disappeared. That was a weird perception. The wall was there and now the wall had gone. All that was really happening was, you know, the sense of sight had turned off. Or another time, I remember, this is all stuff I've said before, just after some nice meditation in Thailand, walking past the washroom, not room, it was just a well, and seeing a towel which was drying in the sun on the line But the towel was perfectly black, it was black as some of these cushions, even more black than that. And I wondered, because this was in the early 1970s, I never seen a black towel before. All towels are maybe white, yellow, green or pink or something, but not not black. It was jet black, like a piece of coal. And I stopped, I was stunned and I just kept on looking at it then it turned to white. It was just my perception, was having some fun. And I told the other meditators at the time and tell everybody now, if these things happen to you, it's after a deep meditation, just enjoy, have a bit of fun, having your body expand or seeing white things being dark. It gives you a sense that you know meditation is working, you're getting deep. It students have disappeared, you realise this is nothing really important, just a sign your perception can start to see things which in the normal state of consciousness you would just deny and stop. But of course it's the bliss which you start to perceive which becomes the most important. You know where you can just see the carpet in front of you. This carpet has been in this hall since this hall was built and that must have been about 30 years ago I think, 35 years ago. And we haven't changed it. (laughs) It's an old dirty old carpet, but you look at it, if you've had some good meditation, and it looks beautiful simply because that's what the mind does. You perceive things which you've never expected to see before. this was a question from Poland. How to achieve a Teflon mind? These are not things which you achieve, it's things which you allow to happen. I use the word Teflon mind because I'm an old monk. It was like where nothing sticks to you. You know, it's one of those uh, ways of letting go. And it's called Analia. Is that right? Yes. A- analia Alia means where things stick. Analia, an-alia means. Nothing sticks to your mind. What's in the past, you let it go straight away. So you know, someone calls you an idiot and then it just disappears just after a moment. Someone calls you a genius, that also disappears. So nothing sticks to your mind so you're free. So that happens usually with meditation. So why do I want to collect all the things which happened to me, all the things which I did or well, the experiences from the past. Have a mind which is totally free of the past. And you can experience anything right now and nothing sticks to it. One of the other similes of a Teflon mind is like being like a a a lotus mind. And a lotus, I've said this before, that you can pour Chanel number no. five over a lotus and it all drips off. It doesn't smell like um, something has been on that lotus or you can urinate on the lotus. Good smells, bad smells, they both just disappear, nothing sticks to it. A lotus is a simile which is so close to a Teflon mine. Lastly, from Germany, can you meditate in your sleep while dreaming to ease nightmares and clean the trash out of your subconsciousness? Yes, that can be done. <laughs> simply as soon as he said that I always remember stories because they make the answers real When we used to do weekend retreats over in Safety Bay in Penguin Road on this, um, it was a Catholic, um, basically a retreat center run by a couple of Catholic nuns and I just remember just, you know tired after building, going down on a Friday night, oh what should I teach now? And so I decided to teach some combining loving kindness with the breath. It was the first time I really got into that and I really, I really did get into it, really lovely meditations. And so lovely that when I went to bed eventually, you know, you just... I kind of slept, my eyes were closed, but then you started getting these wonderful meditations while you were sleeping. I never slept much that night but I never worried about that because you has some wonderful um, meditations. But in order to ease nightmares and clean the trash out of your subconsciousness, uh, meditating in sleep I don't think is how you do that. You just do more when you're awake, just to learn how to let go of things and not to control things. Learn how to be kind to your body and kind to your mind. So all your fears disappear. So you don't, you know, have nightmares, they're just interesting experiences. And you don't call it trash out of your subconscious. You just all the past trash and beautiful stuff disappears from your subconsciousness. You don't keep anything. I don't know if that helps, but anyway. Sometimes I try my best when I get these questions but when it's only a line sometimes I might miss what your point is and I do apologise for that. That's the best we can do. Are there any questions here, from the audience here? Okay, I think I can read your mind. The question which you're all thinking is, can we go now? And I don't see why not. So. Let's now bow to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha and if you have another question you'd like to ask please come up and ask it personally.